My name is James Baca, the host of the Wire Bank Sucks podcast. The Wire Bank Sucks podcast is looking for enthusiastic and excellent sponsors for the show. Join us on our revolutionary podcast where we discuss things that make banking clients think and act decisively. Yours truly, James Baca, a 13-year veteran of retail banking and sales, can help your business shine through with an effective partnership with my podcast. We have, on average, as of June 2019, 8,000 listeners per episode and growing from all walks of life, a burgeoning follower base on Twitter and Instagram, along with nearly half a million Twitter impressions regularly. Get your business promoted on the most unique podcast out there, Wire Bank Sucks. For more information on sponsorship opportunities, Follow Bank Screwed Us on Twitter and direct message. Email james at wirebanksucks.com or please call our voicemail line at area code 575-322-4127. We're looking for the best. We're looking for the greatest. We're looking to help grow your business and we're looking to help grow our podcast. Let's make it happen, guys. Wire Bank Sucks looking for sponsorship opportunities. Please call today. Welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Baca and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. 1,300 followers on Twitter at Bank Screwed Us. I'm really excited and pumped for that. Thank you so much for everyone who, who is supporting the podcast, supporting my project. We're making strides and we're gaining um, followers in record numbers. I'm really thankful for that. So thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for following us on Twitter. It really means a lot. I've always said you can subtract probably 500 people from the amount that I have now because we've had you know pretty much close to 2,000 followers on Twitter but once people get done with their problems they tend to unfollow just because you know it's depressing to see the same stories over and over again from Bank of America and Wells Fargo so I understand why they unfollow but going forward guys if you ever want to still support the podcast and the project and you're like man I just don't want to see these things anymore because all I see is just negative banking stuff which is true you know I I get tired of it too hit mute that way you're you're a follower and you're a supporter but you're you're there in solidarity and you don't have to necessarily see all the posts you don't have to see all of my likes and all my comments you're just there as one of 1300 amazing followers at why your bank sucks at bank screwed us have you know, it's it's something that means a lot to me whenever you stand by me, so thank you for that. Today's podcast is going to go all over the wall. I'm going to share a personal story with you about um, an executive that went to my Bank of America location a couple of years ago, and just kind of thinking about it this past weekend, I just really came to think about that was the beginning of the end of my tenure and of my town having Bank of America, so I'll get to that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Something that's just really a pet peeve of mine, and and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, Bank of America treats a lot of groups of people really, really horribly. I think the biggest one that doesn't get noticed as much as, let's say, you know, immigrants or whatever, are the elderly. You know, the elderly people are really an at-risk group when it comes to banking. There's so many things that go on with them that can go wrong with them, and and Bank of America and bigger banks. You know, all of them pretty much for that matter, kind of take the attitude of, oh, they're not really important. It's old money. It's, you know, a lot of customers who don't want to get a lot of new things and they want, you know, all these services that we don't want to provide anymore. Well, after the segment about that former exec, I'm going to get to um, another thing that Bank of America is getting rid of and why it impacts your parent or your grandma or grandpa. Um, really, really bad, especially if they've become kind of tech savvy in the last few years. 
Bank of America just kind of set them back a little bit. So, and that's going to impact their banking. So after this brief promotional consideration, I will be right back with that. So please stick around. All right, we are back. So, you know, this weekend was the home opening weekend for New Mexico State University here. I love college football. I love everything about it. You know, I just love the sights and the sounds. I love seeing everyone wearing the same color jersey and they're so excited. Even though our team isn't really that good, I always just love to go to the games, sit there. I don't necessarily eat any food over there. In fact, they sneak in food in my pockets. And I just sit and have a good time. I take pictures. I enjoy football. I like to break down plays. I like to see things, you know, in the flesh and see, hey, this is why that happened. And then look at the Jumbotron to confirm my suspicions, you know. So college football and I, you know, we go way back to when I was a kid. And I've just really, really enjoyed everything about it. Of course, one of the things you do whenever you go to the parking lots of a college football game is you're walking through these thousands and thousands of people in the parking lots just celebrating. You know, a lot of them have adult beverages in their hand. A lot of them are playing cornhole or they're just throwing a little Nerf football around. It's really very cool. And, of course, being in the Southwest, being in the West, the food. Oh, my God, the food. You got brisket. You got... You know, all kinds of barbecue. You got corn on the cob. You got potato salad. Oh my god, I love me some potato salad. Mustard potato salad. The one with the hard-boiled eggs in it. And anything that's potato salad, I am all about. So seeing these people walking around and, you know, having a good meal, having a drink, just having a good time. I just really love everything about it. Every once in a while, you know, you'll walk by someone who has just this big contraption of a, a barbecue machine, you know, a, a barbecue grill or a smoker or just something. You're like, man, how, how can someone spend that much money on on barbecue, especially whenever they're only really using it four or five times a year, whenever there's only four or five home games for your team? You're not just breaking out this big contraption every other Wednesday, you know, it's, it's something that's Partly to show off, it's you know part partly for a big event like this. So you look and you go, wow, like who would care that much? Well, I'll tell you who will care that much. There's a, a former executive of Bank of America. Well, he's a current executive of Bank of America, but he's he's a former boss of mine, and he is out of Austin, Texas. I will not name his name, but I want to tell you a funny story. And thinking about it this weekend because of college football kind of gave me this little flashback of, oh my god, I should have seen this coming a couple of years ago. So one one year, and this is 2017, you know, my, my branch was doing well. We were doing really, really well. And we were, you know, we were honored. We got all these awards for, you know, most sales in the first quarter. And we're just hitting our audits perfectly. Everything was going good. And we got this invitation to go to this awards banquet that that was um, in El Paso, you know, to celebrate us and to celebrate all of Bank of America, El Paso, Southern New Mexico region. And, you know, we were really excited about that. I was like, well, yeah, we'll gladly go to that event. Why not? So we get the email maybe a couple of days before the award ceremony. And the email says... Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, El Paso, New Mexico award ceremony. And it was, you know, Tuesday, February 10th at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Okay, so we close at 4 p.m. in Las Cruces. And and that's 45 miles away um, the place where the award ceremony was at. It was actually at the baseball stadium, the El Paso Chihuahua Stadium. And we just look at each other, my boss and I, my manager, um, 
who was my branch manager for four years, and we look at each other and we just go, these MFers, I'm just going to say it that way. We were just like looking at them saying, this is what they think of us. They could schedule it at any time. They can schedule it at five. They could schedule it at six. It's not like they just rented a couple of tables for the hour at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it, it, it was something that they obviously rented the whole, you know, banquet room that's at the baseball stadium for the evening, private event, private party. And it's, you know, celebrating Bank of America Merrill Lynch. So when we saw that it was on a Tuesday, you know, pre-baseball season, mind you, it was cold, it was wintertime. So it's not like there was a baseball game that we're going to go to. We're just there to to shoot the you-know-what and eat and maybe have a drink or two. And just go there and just take it in, be a part of the community. But of course, it is at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday in El Paso, a whole other state. We just get pissed. And and we know that it's a disingenuous kind of invite. So we we decide, my, my branch manager and I, her and I, we got to go to this thing. We got to crash this party. Because it's one of those invites where someone invites you, but they're like, eh, well, you know, if you don't make it, that's okay. But, you, you know, you're invited. No, they didn't really want to invite us. So we kind of mapped it out. And we said, if there's a way that we can close the branch at 3.57 p.m. And we'll take a car and then we'll take her car, the branch manager's car. Um, I trust that she'll drive fast. You just seem like someone who drives fast because she has a little sports car. So I, I just said, well, I, I assume that you know how, how to drive really, really fast. So I'm going to get in your SUV and we're going to go really fast um, to that uh, to that banquet, to the awards banquet. She said, yeah, deal. And then she goes, why don't we just invite everyone? So, of course, we had a pretty good teller at the time. We had a, a really good senior teller who became assistant manager, who's my best friend. And then we had a relationship banker, which was a banker in training that I was training, that he ended up becoming really good at his job. And he parlayed that into a personal banker job at U.S. Bank. So it was all five of us. There's only five of us at the <laughs> at that location. All of us said, okay, well, we're going to go and we're going to crash this party. We don't have any commitments. We told all of our spouses and you know families, hey, we're going to be late. We're going to go to this award ceremony in El Paso. So 358 rolls around. There's no one around. We're going to lock the doors. Are you guys balanced? Yes, let's get the hell out of here. We lock the vault. We get everything at 402. Set the alarms. Get out of there. We jump in my branch manager's SUV. I've never seen anyone drive so fast. She's driving 100 miles an hour going into El Paso traffic, which if you know El Paso traffic is scary i'm terrified of it you know i i can drive in phoenix i can drive in las vegas comfortably but el paso for some reason just scares me because of the erratic driving that you see over there so the baseball stadium is only about 15 miles into el paso it's in downtown so we're weaving through traffic we're getting there and we literally you know hit el paso in about 25 minutes and we're probably another 10 minutes in where we hit the downtown exit we park our car and what we you know figure is the lot you know to park in because we see a lot of you know bankers drive douchey cars okay they either drive mustangs or they drive mercedes or they drive bmws you know i i'm the antithesis of that i drove a 2000 ford explorer which i just sold yesterday by the way and i have a 2006 jeep liberty i'm not flashy with cars i can care less about your car i only care about getting myself to work and i do a podcast now so i don't even care about that we park a car, we do this power walk in there, and we're in full, you know, business attire. You know, we, we just got done working at a bank. 
So we get there and we go to speak to the person who's manning the elevator and said, yeah, we're here from Bank of America and Las Cruces. Well, we don't see that on here. It says El Paso, but it means El Paso and Las Cruces. Are you sure? Yes, yes, it is. Okay, because El Paso is part of... So we're having to explain to this attendant at the baseball stadium, hey, um, we're part of this. <laughs> Funny enough, we're wearing suits and we have Bank of America name tags. So I, I think we're a part of this little shindig, right? And then they finally go, okay, okay, we'll let you in. And then they, they open the elevator for us. And then just closes, and then it goes down. And I was like, why is it going to be down? You figure it would go up, right? And then we it opens up to this, like, basement, and you can see exposed pipes, and you can see all this storage. And we're like, what the hell is this? We didn't know what to do. And then we go back up to the level floor, and then they look at us and like, is there something, you know, we can help with? It's like, where's the where's the party at? It's on the third floor. And, I mean, they're looking at us like we're total idiots, like we're total rubes. It's like, okay, okay, so we, we hit we hit the button, we go up there. And, you know, we're talking, what, 440 at this point in time. So we figure, like, yeah, oh, the award ceremony, it's going to be, you know, a bunch of people just kind of with drinks, kind of mingling, and then the award ceremony starts at 5, and then you're going to have some more mingling, and then you're going to have some walking around, talking about things, get out of there about 7. So we, we get up to the third floor, you know, the elevator dings, ding, and then the door opens, and the door opens to where we're behind the podium where the Merrill Lynch like senior execs are talking to everyone. And all eyes are on us. Like we are so late to the party that we're going to get written up for going to a celebration late. And all of a sudden, my direct manager at the time goes, oh, hey, look, there's the Amador team. You know, give them a round of applause. And they're applauding us. And. It was just so disingenuous. It was just almost kind of making light that we were late. And it's not that we were late. We were just invited to a party that just happened to start while we were still open. So, you know, it, we just felt kind of like idiots. But we we told ourselves, like, we're not there for them. We're there for us. We did good. We deserve to be honored. So we're going to be part of this party. We're looking for a table. We find a table where all of us can fit. We sit there. You know, we talk amongst ourselves. A couple of people that know us, you know, hey, there's James. Hey, there's, you know, whoever. And they come up and talk to us and say, I can't believe you made it. And I was like, yeah, well, we locked the doors at 3.30. We were just joking around. And we we get to the point where it just seems like everyone who knows us has talked to us. And we're afraid to mingle. So knowing me the way that i am i'm not afraid to go up to someone and have a conversation with them i'm a banker that's what i do but i just didn't really know how to kind of start the conversation about it and what happened was whenever we we had the elevator ding and door opened the person that was speaking was this eh, he's a middle-aged guy i would say he's probably early 40s or so and he was talking about this story about barbecuing and he was at a at a college football game and he said, one of the things that I've learned about my work ethic is I want to learn everything about a particular business. So one day, I'm going to a game, and it's Lamar University. It's the Lamar Cardinals, I believe. I need to double-check that. They're out of the Southland Conference. It's one of the lower levels of um, Division One college football. So it's like, you know, just a, a notch above high school football, I guess. And he says, I'm at Lamar University at their opening game, and I'm walking by 
this guy with a gigantic smoker and he has these racks of ribs and he has these steaks and he has brisket all on these spits and they're just spinning and it smells so good and then the contraption looks so huge and I just walk up to him and I say I want to learn this job and I remember just hearing that this was part of his speech I was like he he's a banker making like 200,000 a year and he just wants to learn how to barbecue. And I just remember just getting a chuckle about that and just recording it in my brain, you know, for future thought. And then he just goes on about this story saying, like, I asked this guy, can I learn from you, you know, as as if it was just this some um, magical tool that he he had to know in order to survive. And he said, the guy said, yes, so the next home game, I show up early, and I'm doing all the hard work. I'm cutting the meat up. I'm putting it on the spits. I'm making sure that the fire's hot enough. I'm checking it every 20 minutes. I'm basting the meat with this, you know, rub and this this liquid smoke. And, you know, he's just talking about everything about barbecuing. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Is this a bank award ceremony? Or, you know, is this the Food Network? I, I just didn't understand what was going on. And he kept on going on and on about barbecue. He said... I learned every job, and then by the fourth game, I was a pro. You know, the guy wanted me there, and he wanted me to help him out, and he actually paid me for it, so I started putting the meat on there and everything, and I was really proud to do that. And he kind of circled back around, and he said, um, to all of you who are seeking, you know, a step up with the company, learn your job. Learn the job of the person ahead of you. That way, when it's your time, your turn, that you're going to be able to take that spot, and you can become a leader. Be your own pit boss. And, it, you know, it was just funny to hear that, just hearing just barbecue talk. So recording all that in my brain and knowing that we weren't speaking to anyone, you know, um, my manager, my branch manager and my relationship banker, the one who I trained, just said, James, you should go up to him and just talk to him about barbecue. You know, it's like whenever your buddies would, you know, be at a bar with you and say, hey, go talk to that beautiful girl because she's gorgeous. And just think about that. That, that. that girl can be your girlfriend. Just imagine that. And just trying to egg me on, trying to hype me up and saying, go talk to him about barbecue and see, you know, let's see what he says, let's see what he does. And I had a drink already, so I had a second drink and I just pounded it. I don't need liquid courage. I'm going to I'm gonna say what I need to say regardless or whatever. But I said, okay, well, I'll just have a drink and I'll go up there. And I just wanted to interject in this conversation with all these stuffy Merrill Lynch people that, that are in El Paso that I don't know anything about because their own little clique. And there's people there that showed up at every charity event and every event as part of Bank of America, and I have no freaking clue who they are, and I've been there 13 years. So I walk up to him, and then I, I tell him, you know, I basically tell him a story. I say, hey, um, I, have a, I have a question for you. So you were mentioning this barbecue stuff. So uh, do you prefer propane, or do you prefer charcoal? And I just remember the look on his face and it was like he was like glowing because he was ready to tell this story it seems like he was just ready for someone to tell him about barbecuing the same way that whenever you talk to someone about their kids they're going to start to light up and go oh little timmy's amazing he's doing this and that so he just lights up like christmas tree and you know the question was do you use propane or do you use charcoal and that was just the only thing that i had that was my pickup line for this guy and then he like gets this really like stern look on his face and it's almost kind of like the George W. Bush impression that they used to have on Saturday Night Live. And then, true to form, he goes, I use wood. <laughs> and the way that he said it, he actually sounded like George W. Bush. I use wood. 
And he was just like, his eyes squinted the same way. And I just wanted to laugh so bad. And then he said, oh, you got to use this particular type of hickory. And it gives it this flavor. And he just goes on and on about it. And then it was funny because it's like anything else. Like I said, it's like dating. Whenever you take a vested interest in someone else, they tend to open up more and they tend to be uh, more friendly. So, you know, after he went on this long soliloquy about um, using wood to barbecue, and I should have known this because he was talking about a smoker, for God's sakes. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. He goes, so what about you, James? Um, What are your goals with Bank of America? And I said, well, I'm a relationship manager, and I like that. I love my customers, and they're great. I wasn't being, you know, a smartass. That's what I actually believe. I love my customers. And I said, well, you know, of course I want to be uh, MSM, OMM, and... I was just throwing all these acronyms out because, I mean, that's what they want you to say. That's what they say as part of your development plan is like you want to get the next step up, right? You want to be you want to be where your boss is in a couple of years. Am I correct? And the answer is yes. I was like, I want to be that. And I said, I love it. I just, I just have the determination for that. And we want to put Las Cruces on the map as part of the El Paso region. We do good things over there. And, I, you know, I was just this impassioned speech about it, about everything, and I just remember that he, we just hit it off. He's like, oh, yeah, if you guys ever need anything, just email me. And, and then he went over there to introduce himself to my branch manager and everyone else. Really good guy. And I was like, wow, like I was I was making fun of him in my brain for the longest time and uh, because of his barbecue stories and all of a sudden he's like wow i just made a friend and um my friend stacy my coworker stacy was looking at me and she's like good job james and everyone's like you go james good good for you i can't believe you did that i was like i know i was just like that's something that's unlike me so i felt good at the end of that so we stuck around and we hung around and mingled and we met some other people other people that i had no no clue who the hell they were with bank of america merrill lynch in that region we had several drinks i was the only one that was ordering actually well drinks everyone else was just drinking beer and it, it just felt good to be part of the community even though they just really didn't invite us you know i mean they invited us but they really didn't want us there so it was really cool to be part of that because I knew that these things existed, but I was a working hump. You know what I mean? I was always at work until closing time. Then I had to close up the vault. And by then, hey, get the hell out of here, James. You're going to be over your time. So I never got to experience things like that. And then the thing that pissed me off about that banquet was there were so many of my colleagues, so many people who worked at Branches 2 that were there. And not only they were there, they had multiple drinks. And they had multiple plates on their table. So, you know, they've been there since 2 o'clock. So they kind of built in this stupid awards banquet into their schedules. Meanwhile, us, we couldn't do that because, you know, there's no one to cover for us. So we basically missed it. We are basically scheduled to miss it until we insisted on going there and we showed up. But of course, you know, meeting the barbecue guy was um, number one on my list because I just felt like I made a connection, you know. And it was something that I felt would carry me a long way because, you know, people will remember you whenever you, you know, talk to them like that. You know, it's it's just human nature. So let's cut to about about four months later. I am, I'm at work and then we get this email saying that that same exec, the barbecue exec, is in El Paso and he actually wants to visit our branches in Las Cruces. And I'm... You know, I'm kind of giddy. I'm telling my boss, I'm like, oh my God, he's coming here and he's going to see me work. And I was like, I want to show what I can do. I want to show my skills. I want to show that I belong. And that's the way that she was too. She was always chip on her shoulders. Like, I want to show you that I'm the best and I'm going to give you every opportunity to see me at my best because I know that I am. So we wait for him to show up. And whenever he shows up, I'm with a customer. So I'm, I'm kind of engaged with the customer. So I'm not really 
trying to blow off my customer because they had an important need. So we were talking about their accounts or whatever. And I just see the, the barbecue exec just kind of just walking around the branch. He's looking at all the offices, kind of like peeking in, saying, oh, what's this, whatever. And then I see him go to the back room. I figured he would go to the bathroom or something, but he came out like 20 seconds later. And, you know, he, he went to the teller area. He met all the tellers, and you know, shaking hands and whatnot. And I'm still talking to my customer, and I'm looking at him in the background just you know, weaving his way through my whole center without me involved in it. So he starts to go into the back um, meeting room area that we have. And then um, I'm just assuming that he goes to the drive through area, which was closed at the time he comes back out. And then um, I'm done with my customer at that point. And then I start walking towards the lobby where the customers would be standing to be helped with the teller. And I, I walk by him and he goes, um, hey, James, right? Can you open this for me? And, of course, the door has a little secret code, so I punch in the secret code. I open it. He gets out and goes, hey there, how you doing? And then the first thing I said was, hey, guy, good to see you again. How's the barbecuing? And then he lights up again. And he's like, no, it's going good. It's going good. I just bought a new, and then he said some brand name of grill that I've never heard of. I actually looked it up that day and I just remember um, <laughs> my relationship banker and I just kind of looking at it and I said like, damn, he spent $900 on a grill. You know, like we were just thinking like that's rent. That's our mortgage payment. And this guy spent almost $1,000 on a grill. And I was like, this thing has Wi-Fi capabilities. Like, holy crap, this, you know, this grill has more education than I do. You know, it's just amazing. You know, so, you know, I asked him about that. He's like, yeah, I just bought this new grill and everything's going good. And, you know, looking forward to more, you know, great summer afternoons grilling and everything. And how about you? How's the, how's the, how's the wife and kids? <laughs> well, I don't have any kids, but my wife is, my wife is good. I just remember saying that. I was like, it's like, does he have these like on a cue card somewhere? It's like, to James, how is your wife, Gabrielle, and children, undetermined name? Like, I, I didn't understand why he just automatically just assumed that I just, you just go hey how's everything how's your family that's that's what you see because family's all encompassing you know so it's like well i don't have any kids but my wife is doing great and we're doing good and then he said something else and then we're just talking about you know just shooting stuff about anything that wasn't bank related and then he's saying well you know you guys doing good over here at this location and then i just it went off i, I went off in a positive way i said Yes, actually, we've actually funded three quarters in a row and actually had seven home equity loans in the last month and a half. I'm really proud of that. Um, I'm number one personally in the region when it comes to home equity loans, and I really am hitting my numbers, and Amador is hitting our numbers, and we're kicking butt. And I just remember the look on his face whenever I was telling him that, like how great we were doing, we're number one. And he had that same smile on his face, the same cheesy smile that like your mom and dad have whenever you paint them you know, a picture of a house. And you paint a picture of your mom and dad by the house. And then the mom and dad are like 10 feet taller than the house in the picture. It's like when you're five years old and you give that to your dad. And he goes, wow, son, that is excellent painting. That's amazing. High five for you. And then your mom goes, wow, James, that is amazing. You're such an artist. Oh, my goodness. And you know that it's literally a stick figure and a box house. And the stick figures are 11 feet tall and the house is 8 feet tall. And then they're going to put it on their fridge and they're going to show, oh, look at our proud son, the amazing painter. Look at his amazing painting. And it's just that kind of patronizing, like, good job. I felt that with the barbecue guy. He goes, well, that's good. That's good. That's it? That's all you're going to give me? <laughs> I was so pissed off. And then he just had that smile and then he moved on. He's like, okay, I'm going to go speak to your boss over here. And then they went into their little cubby. A little room right there for about 30 minutes. Door closed, of course. 
And I'm like, oh, shoot, someone getting fired? Why is the door closed? Because anytime you would see the manager's door closed, it was probably not good. You know, because we're, we're, a, we're a family at that point in time. Our branch, we were really close to each other. So anytime there'd be an issue, we would talk to each other about it. So to have the door closed, it was always kind of like, whoa, what's going on? And, you know, he left after that. And I asked my manager, hey, so what happened? Anyone getting fired? And then she just jokes and like, no, no one's getting fired. And they just wanted to talk some things about the bank and everything. I was like, okay, sure. You know, I accepted that for what it is. And then cut to about nine months later, of course, we get the the crazy news that my location's closing down. We get the two managers, my direct manager, and we get the one that was my former direct manager in the same office, you know, lo- doors closed you know, with laptops on conference calls for like three hours. I'm like literally helping customers and looking on to my right, and I'm seeing these people just deep in conversation over the phone. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And then my manager and I were just wondering what's going on. It's like, well, they're, we're either all fired or we're closing down. And it ended up being we're closing down. So I was really, really upset about that. And, you know, I didn't really think about anything about that, you know, when it happened. I was just sad that it happened. Of course, I wanted to keep my job, which I ended up not doing. So it was really, it was really a frustrating period. Of course, when I got fired last August, I, you know, went to college football games, college basketball games. And I was just trying to distract myself from it because I didn't know if I wanted to do this project. I didn't know if I want to get back into banking or whatever. So I was just really bummed out. But it all came back to me yesterday when I went to that football game. So whenever I went to the football game and, you know, just see people. And there wasn't even barbecuing going on. There was just people just there with drinks and they're just sitting there on their, you know, those foldable camping chairs that you get from, like, Dick's Sporting Goods for $3. They're just sitting there with their, you know, New Mexico State gear and they're just having a good time celebrating the season. And then I just started thinking about food, you know, because we walk into the the stadium and, of course, there's a burger place and there's a place to get a brisket sandwich and all that. And I thought about the the brisket and I thought about the barbecue guy, the barbecue exec. And then I just had this flashback. I was like, why the hell did he smile at me that weird way whenever I was just telling him how proud I was about my sales? I mean, isn't he my boss's boss? Shouldn't he be proud that I'm kicking ass in a branch that was really small and really just a blip on the radar. Like dudes from Austin, Texas and, you know, Austin, San Antonio, and he deals with Merrill Lynch. He deals with these million dollar clients and, you know, Austin and San Antonio probably have a hundred bank of America branches between them. So I know that he's dealing with more affluent clients and, you know, he should be proud that the underdog, the one who is like Lamar in football, you know, a small school trying to go up against the big people, you know, just trying to, to make a dent is trying to make an impression and he didn't you know he just gave me that disingenuous smile like good job or whatever and i sat down and it just all came back to me i'm like that feeling him walking around just seeing him kind of weave through my bank at that time going to the back room going to the teller area kind of like looking at each station shaking the hand of our two tellers going to the break room coming back and i thought about it and part of my language i'm like this was yesterday i was like son of a bitch he was there to scout out potential closing sites for Bank of America. I was like, I can't freaking believe it. So thinking about that interaction that I had with him at my branch whenever, you know, he smiled at me the same way that a pet owner smiles at their pet whenever they bring him a dead bird. Uh, it all came back to me and I was like, wow, he came there to just kind of scout 
the location that ended up ultimately being my demise at Bank of America. And all those things about, hey, I'm working hard for the company. I'm number one in the region. I'm number one at this. I'm number one at that. It doesn't mean jack. I'm number one, but I'm also number one at a place where they didn't want to be at anymore. You know, I'm, I'm bringing Bank of America new business. Well, they didn't really want that business. Because if Bank of America wanted to stay around in, in this town, they would have. You know, they definitely would have stayed in this town. And they would have said, hey, yeah, more home equity loans, more refinances and everything. And they actively pushed customers away from that. So I didn't really think about it too much yesterday, but I thought about it today. Because whenever I thought, you know, man, he was there to kind of scout our location to, to close it down. I was trying to basically be nice with the enemy. I was talking to him about barbecue and talking about him. And then, you know, he's asking me kind of a fake question about my wife and kids. And I just chuckle, you know, in my head about it. And then I ask him more about barbecuing. And then I tell him, hey, look what good we're doing here. And I think that smile was kind of a defensive smile. Like, yeah, I'm closing your guys' asses down next year. And he wasn't going to do it, but he reports to his boss, who reports to his boss and so forth, that, yeah, in fact, we are going to close this location because it was dead. It, it really was dead whenever he walked in there. I mean, it was a Wednesday or something, for God's sakes. And that was when. That was when I, I should have known that I wasn't long for this world, that I was uh, literally a plate of brisket that's going to be consumed in record time. You know, it was something that was not meant to be for this world for very, very long. And it really bothered me thinking about that yesterday and today. And the reason I wanted to kind of say this in the podcast was, you know, we, and this goes for anything in life, you should really see the signs around you. Don't ever BS yourself into thinking that things are going to be the same way forever. I wish to God I would have had the foresight and think about what would have happened in my location. The fact that this area manager, this dude who's kind of responsible for like two, 300 Bank of America locations and his general area why would he just all of a sudden show up at probably you know the least traffic bank in new mexico at that point yeah we didn't have a lot of foot traffic but we had a hell of a lot of sales still we're number one in our region being even some of the bigger el paso banks at that time so we were the little engine that could and we really kicked butt when we did it so you go why the hell would this exec who makes conservatively probably two hundred thousand dollars a year especially with bonuses with merrill lynch and all that why would he come here why would he come here? It does not make any sense. It's like, you know, some guy who, you know, is franchising these vending machines. And he says, hey, I'm going to go check out my vending machine at this random rest stop in the middle of the, you know, Arizona-California border. Like, who the hell cares? Go to the one at the mall. The one at the mall needs more attention because it's going to be used a lot. You're probably going to have a lot more money out of that one. You're probably going to need to put a lot more product in there. Yeah, you prioritize. You say, I'm going to visit this one every couple of days because, hey, this is our number one money maker. Do you go to that one in the middle of nowhere all the time? Hell no. And I know this because I had family who worked at rest areas off the beaten path. And their vending machines were always broken or empty because they never worked. Because why? The people who owned those vending machines owned a thousand other vending machines. And they said, you know what? Whenever I get a chance, I'll come out here and I'll fix it and I'll fill up the vending machine. But it's not a priority. The priorities are the ones that make me money every single day. Thank you very much. And, you know, the that's why the, that's the last time I saw the barbecue exec. 
was because he went there to scout us out, and then he ended up closing us down. What was funny was he actually didn't, um, he wasn't our boss for much longer after that interaction. He act, we actually transferred regions or something a couple of months after that, so he wasn't our boss anymore, and he got moved up to some other job at Bank of America, and then we got assigned another one, who um, I have talked about in the podcast before, was not exactly the most awesome person either. So... Needless to say, the people who were the bosses of my boss were not boss people. They were really horrible people. And, in fact, they probably were here to scout out the closure of uh, banking centers in southern New Mexico for Bank of America. And I, what can I say other than shame on you guys? You could at least told us at that point in time. You know, whenever you go into a place like this Merrill Lynch Bank of America banquet that's awarding people... We were number one in a lot of categories, but we didn't get any trophies. We didn't get any certificates or anything because they didn't really think that much of us. That was really more of a kiss-ass session between all the Merrill Lynch execs, all these people that I've never met in my 13 years of working at Bank of America, and the top, top people that work in retail banking the way that I did. The, The managers that have been there 30 years who probably have known those Merrill Lynch people from whenever they started as bank tellers or whatever. So those people were kind of this little inside click, you know. I, I was I was in high school. I was in middle school. I was bullied. I knew that some people hung out with others and others didn't hang out with these people. And it felt that way whenever we went into that banquet. So whenever they say Merrill Lynch Bank of America, it was really just Merrill Lynch. And why was that area exact there? Because he was probably personally congratulating the people who got him a crap load of money. People who got him a promotion. People who got him that $900 barbecue grill. So when James, who makes you know $19 an hour at that point, walks into the place 40 minutes late and he talks to you about barbecuing, does that dude really give a crap? I didn't do anything for him. The trickle-down effect of my money into his pocket when it comes to his bonus is probably... 1% of what a Merrill Lynch person will do, and that's through no fault of my own. It's not like I get millionaires in the branch. They do. So thinking about how all that went down and thinking about how hard I worked to get to the top, it's really disingenuous to think that I went in there to be celebrated along with my manager and along with my staff, and we're never going to be celebrated because the game is fixed that the top 1% of people when it comes to Merrill Lynch, when it comes to the retail banking at the highest levels, will always be rewarded and they'll self-reward themselves. It's this self-congratulatory crap that you deal with. And all of us are left with peanuts. All of us are left with just bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. And it sucks. It's really It really hurt my feelings because when you think about it in retrospect, it's like you're building a friendship. You're building a friendship with someone. And you know that you're lending them money. You're lending them their car, and you're giving them rides. And you know you're 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 doing all these things to show what a great friend you are. And then at the end of the day, that person who you thought was your friend was actually not your friend. They were just using you. And kind of thinking about that the last couple of days with the start of college football season, and thinking about barbecue and whatnot, I thought, son of a gun, I was used. I was really used by these people. And it's really disgusting, you know. I'm not going to buy a $900 barbecue grill. I'm going to use that $900 and buy things for my house that I need. I'm going to get that $900 and I'm going to use it for a vacation that's much deserved after working so many hours. 
And I'm going to earn every penny of it. And that guy didn't. That guy earned money through the sweat, blood, sweat, and tears that all these lower-level branch employees did. You know, busting our humps, working as hard as we possibly could. I was proud of my seven home equity loans that summer. And he looked at me like I just totally took a dump in his living room. And it's really disgusting the way that that, that smile was in retrospect. I was like, dude, I got seven home equity loans in literally a, a bank that probably has 10 home equity loan opportunities, 10 legit ones um, because of, you know, credit qualifications, whatever. My clientele, they weren't homeowners for the most part. They were renters. And the fact that I can kind of dig deep and get all these home equity loans from people was amazing. And then he just looked at me with that, that smile. I'm like, dude, screw you. If this podcast ever listened, you know, gets to your office and you listen to it, and you know that I'm talking about you because it's the Lamar Cardinals. It's about your story about learning, um, wanting to learn how to smoke meat because you walked by it and you really wanted to learn someone else's job, even though you literally were wearing a thousand dollar suit when I met you and a thousand dollar suit when I met you a second time. If if you really really think that that story is supposed to kind of like ingrain this like attitude and this confidence in us then I have no use for you. And the reason why I do this podcast is to kind of fight against people like you who do not think about the little people. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the customers that you impacted whenever you closed our center. And I'm talking about the customers you impacted when you closed 21 of the 33 or something like that, Bank of America's in New Mexico. And not to mention the sale of the Bank of America branches in New Mexico, Arizona, Washington State and Nevada to Washington Federal, a lower level bank with a lower level of service. I'm really upset by that. You've really took a lot of my at-risk clients, clients who relied on good customer service, which we provided, and you threw them in the trash. I hope I hope that that smell, that stink kind of sears in your meat, and I hope you choke on it whenever you eat on it. That's all I got to say. So to that exact, I just want to just um, give a virtual middle finger to you and say, you know what? I hope in the next several years of your career that you treat people better. And yeah, I wasn't probably too uh, genuine when it comes to asking you about your barbecuing. But I got a story out of it. And then in retrospect, I got a tell to tell people about, hey, watch your back. Don't work hard, but don't work too hard because they don't care either way. They really don't. And what what can I say other than, hey... That's one reason why I think my bank sucked. <laughs> After this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to tell you a quick story about why your parent or grandparent um, is going to hate banking with Bank of America a little bit more. Please stick around. Why Your Bank Sucks listeners, this is James Baca, the host of the Why Your Bank Sucks podcast, inviting you to join us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sucks. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support the podcast, which helps us pay the bills. Take care of our responsibilities and allows yours truly, James Baca, the ability to work full-time battling big banks with this patented version of Vigilante Customer Service. The Why Your Bank Sucks podcast not only discusses what is wrong with big banks, but it also lends a hand to clients in need who are being taken advantage of by bigger banks such as Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, among others. For $1 a month, you can show your support in the battle for better bank service. 
We also have bonus podcasts and content along with merchandise at the $2, $5, $15, and $35 levels. And you also have the ability to donate what you think we are worth. PayPal is also accepted, but I prefer to show strength in numbers by going to patreon.com slash wirebanksucks to support this podcast. We would love to have you as a patron and love that you're allowing James to work full-time kicking the butts of big banks. Thank you so much. All right, we are back. So, you know, the name of this podcast will probably give you a chuckle, but there's something that happened a few weeks ago with Bank of America that's actually no laughing matter. And one of the things that I've I've told you about numerous times is, you know, there's so many at-risk groups with Bank of America in the time that I worked there, which is 13 years, which should give me enough of a platform to stand on and say, hey, I know about this company that I work for because I literally gave more than a third of my life um, into working there. So a lot of at-risk groups at Bank of America, but the biggest one I think a lot of people don't ever mention are the ones that I really think are the most vulnerable in this day and age of, you know, mobile banking, internet banking, and just the way that Bank of America wants to push their online-only agenda. And that's elderly people, the old people. Now, I'm I'm a grandma's boy, okay? I grew up at my grandmother's house. I, you know, got picked up from school, you know, by her. I stayed at her house, you know, the afternoon, early evenings while my parents worked. So I'm really, really bonded with my grandma and then later on in life, my grandfather. So, you know, being around senior citizens for the majority of my life, I have a a deeper appreciation to that bond because much like a lot of people who live in working class neighborhoods, I didn't really get to see my mom and dad a lot except for dinner and bed. So my grandma and grandpa were basically there for most of the, you know, important parts of my life and then the day-to-day school stuff and what have you. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that age, and my grandparents are in their 80s now, they're not tech savvy. And and I know this from working at the bank. A, a lot of them struggle with it. And it's not a generational thing. It's just, a, you know, I live my whole life without having it. So why do I need it now type of thing? But there are some people that adapt. Bank of America has 66 million account holders. Um, and according to them, 37 million of them are online and 27 million of them are mobile, which tells me that still 39 million people do not know what mobile banking is. And that's a lot. That's more than half. So, I, you know, I know that they know. But you got to think about it from the perspective of them. It's like, you know, well, if if banking in our future is going to be using the app and using ATMs and everything, then, you know, some of the things that that the older folks are used to are going away. Now, one of the things that kind of bridged the gap between old school and new school was text banking. Now, text banking has been around for about six or seven years. I remember when they rolled it out. I mean, this was still, we were already in the smartphone era and text banking was rolled out. And I thought, this is actually pretty cool. You know, you're able to kind of just check your balance on the fly. Sometimes you don't want to go into a deep dive on the internet. Sometimes you don't have access to Wi-Fi. You don't have access to your mobile network. And, but you're able to text or you're able to at least latch on to, to someone's Wi-Fi and just do a quick text to see what's what with your bank account. Bank of America had, um, the number was MyBofA, which is 692632. And you'd be able to text BAL for balance. You'd be able to text Bill plus last four digits for your credit card balance. HIST, H-I-S-T, plus last four digits for recent checking transactions. Menu for a list of commands. ACCTS for a list of eligible accounts and help for customer service numbers in your area. So it was it was kind of a pretty good information tool 
for something that's so low tech. You know, texting has been around for, what, almost 20 years now. You know, the first time I ever really got seriously involved into texting was 2003. So, you know, 16 going on 17 years now. It's been around a while. And, you know, text banking is kind of meant for those who still have non-smartphones. There are still flip phones out there. And guess who has them? Older folks do. Older folks that say, well, I don't really want a flashy cell phone, but I still want to be able to call my my kids or call my grandkids or whatever. So, you know, they have these phones and usually they're from like Jitterbug or, you know, you go to some of the cell phone companies and they will just give you a free flip phone. I mean, they're going to try to upsell you the way that banks do. But flip phones are still in existence or just basic regular cell phones that are not smart are still in existence. One of the things we talked about with older folks whenever I was a banker at Bank of America was, you know, online banking. And of course, a lot of them will go, oh, no, I saw a news story about it and how people can hack into it. Of course, as a banker, I will try to dispel those, you know, myths and say, no, no one hacks into it. Actually, people do hack into it. And that's why this podcast is in existence, you know, because of um, all the things that we hear about. So, you know, as a salesperson, I would push online banking, but I would say, you know what, if you don't want, you know, the bells and whistles of, of online or mobile banking, let me give you this, and there was this little card that we had, and it said, you know, text, you know, my B of A, and then just, te- you know, text BAL, or text history, and you'll be able to see the last few transactions, and you can check it against your, you know, checkbook. That way you can at least have something that's tied to your statement immediately, that way you don't have to wait in the mail, that way you can continue to balance your checkbook the way that you want to. I was a hell of a salesperson, and a lot of people used it, and I, I saw a lot of my older customers use it, and... um it wasn't to my benefit. Text banking got us no sales credit. And any time that I would have that opportunity for someone who was over the age of 50, it would be a little pop-up saying, James, offer this person online banking. James, offer this person mobile banking. And in fact, um, Bank of America started incentivizing mobile banking, saying, hey, if you have a customer who doesn't have mobile banking, have them sign in twice in two months and they'll get a $10 bonus or something. So they were trying to really push that. And there were some people who just didn't want to go that far. But they love text banking. They, they, you know, they love, hey, I'd just like to know what my balance is over the weekend. I just want to know where I'm at. And that was enough for a lot of people. And what happened in the last few weeks is Bank of America discontinued text banking. And it's such a shame because, you know, the clientele that does use it is going to be primarily older folks. And I think one of the ways that, and I'm just talking from Bank of America's perspective here, that you want to kind of bridge the gap from, hey, they rely on check registers, they rely on their paper statement every month, they don't do online banking. At least text banking kept the conversation open. It kept them tied to their phone. Inevitably, there's probably going to be some tech revolution where flip phones are just going to be wiped off the face of the earth with phone companies. And you know, and you know that smartphones are going to be in their grasp. So, you know, just the evolution of everything, you know, you go from unfiltered cigarettes to filtered cigarettes, you go from, you know, leaded gasoline to unleaded, you know, they're used to change. They're old folks. They've, they've gone through the change in life saying, hey, you got to stop doing it this way because effective this way, you're going to do it. But with text banking, we're still in that spot where we kind of gave them this tool and we kind of forgot about them 
and we push for more. I'm, I'm saying we, like I still work at Bank of America. The Bank of America bankers push for more, saying, hey, sign up for mobile banking. Sign up for you know um, online banking. That way you can check it on your computer. Not really understanding what they were trying to do. Whenever I was offering online and mobile banking, guess what? I was looking for a sale. Online banking and mobile banking are considered a sale for Bank of America, so that was a way of upselling someone who was an existing customer. Under the Bank of America sales guidelines, mobile banking enrollment is almost to the equivalent of getting a new account. So if you get three or four mobile banking enrollments in one day and you got two checking accounts, you'd actually have a kick-ass day. You, you pretty much got the equivalent of six checking accounts at that point, which is really beneficial to your bonus. So, you know, pushing people to online mobile banking was hard and I wasn't successful at it much like a lot of people uh, were, you know, because mobile banking, online banking is just foreign to some people. And guess what Bank of America does? They totally get rid of text banking almost as a way of just spiting the older folks, you know, because, you know, it goes without saying that a lot of a lot of older folks just will not use online or mobile banking and they want to still go into the branch and talk with the tellers and speak with the banker and help, you know, have the banker balance their checkbook and all that. And that's something that Bank of America just does not want to do, period. And they get really ticked when it comes to older folks doing that. I know because I got yelled at so many times for so many older folks just coming in just to just say hi or just to come do something basic or just to come and check on a couple of checks that they wanted to look for. And and what can I say? I'm really offended by that. And, you know, you got to say, well, why are they getting rid of text banking as well? Well, guess what? Whenever you have 160 characters, which is what Bank of America sends per text message, and then you just put BAL, B-A-L, on a text, and then Bank of America says, checking account ending in one, two, three, four, five hundred and nineteen dollars Guess what they can't do? They're not selling you crap. So I'm just loading up my mobile banking as I'm talking right here. I already have my username already, you know, affixed to my sign-in screen. I just got to put my passcode. But I'm not even in the freaking pass. I'm not going to put my passcode on there because the first thing that I see is an offer for the new Bank of America card, cash rewards card, and that's giving me a $200 bonus offer. And the Bank of America travel rewards card, which is giving me 25,000 points for enrolling. And then I got a link here to talk to someone with Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch is not FDIC insured, is not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Guess what? Those are advertisements. Bank of America can sell you crap on text banking. That's another reason why they don't want to have it. They're saying, hey, this is just a, a tool that we're you know just wasting here, and we're not doing anything with it, and the customers that do use it, we're never interacting with them. So if you get rid of text banking, theoretically, these older folks can go in the bank saying, hey, what happened to text banking? Well, Mr. Older Customer, we actually discontinued text banking as of September 1st. But tell you what, um, we actually got a... Um, a more upgraded version of text banking we call it mobile banking and what you do is you pick a username and password and then whenever you sign in you have this little button called Erica and Erica is going to be able to guide you through all of your banking needs if you need to change your pin number if you need to order another debit card if you need to update your address if you need to look last Thursday where you ate at for dinner and how much it cost Erica will be able to help you with that just you download on mobile banking now I do see you have a smartphone there do you have a couple of minutes or we'll get you enrolled in that it's like you're speaking a freaking foreign language to them, okay? So basically, it went from, oh, sir, well, we got rid of it. But tell you what, I'm going to sell you a bunch of stuff. And then I'm going to sell you on this little virtual assistant that just totally sucks. And it's going to make things actually more complicated than just typing in three letters, B-A-L. That's what it's all about, guys.
And it's all about assimilation because whenever you don't have, you know, so many old people affixed to one thing like text banking and you have them on mobile banking, you get rid of it, you save a couple of bucks. But seriously, how many dollars can you be saving for this little tech service that Bank of America offers? It's not really that. It's it's as low tech as it gets, you know what I mean? It's as low tech as a digital wristwatch that you get at a 99 cent store. Obviously, it costs less than 99 cents to make. That's why they're selling it for 99 cents. So, you know, text banking is is gone now, and I really think that it's just um, a big you-know-what to older folks saying, hey, you know what, you don't want to be part of the of the group? Well, we're going to get rid of all those things that you like. And and checks, checks used to be um, 120 checks for $18. Well, now it's 100 checks, and it's $26. And guess what? We're not giving you free check registers anymore. You know, we used to give you five or six of them at a time, just like yours truly, James, used to give to older folks. Well, actually, there's two of them that you can get online, and it's $5 plus shipping. Are you freaking kidding me? A check register literally costs $5 to get. Tell me that's not a big F you to older folks. You know, in, in a world where we're supposed to celebrate our older folks, and especially, you know, and I don't want to get all sappy, but, you know, like older war veterans and people who have lived their life in service of this country or their community or whatever, you're really just basically throwing egg on their face and saying, you know what, you don't want to be part of this new way of doing banking. Well, we don't want you. And that's the way Bank of America is with the older folks. So with text banking being gone, you're basically cutting cutting away the lifeline that they had that was kind of online banking but not so it made them feel like part of the group but not and you're saying hey you got to go this way or we're going to make it really uncomfortable for you to bank here and i saw a lot of older folks leave bank of america before i left and it was really uncomfortable you know some so many people saying well i've been here for 30 years i've been here since this was first national bank of las cruces and of course you know it may be a different name wherever your location is but you saw so many of those people go and it's because of something silly like this it's like you know what they're saying you know we we kind of we kind of gave you an inch and you guys took a mile text banking is not the most expensive thing in the world so bank of america to get rid of it is just petty and spiteful and here's the thing people do come around with technology if you're trying to force their hand you're going to force their hand away from your bank okay let me just put it to you this way the the thing that and I'm going to just use slang from my growing up years. The thing that tripped me out whenever I was um, in my early 30s, you know, five, six years ago, was one day I get a friend request on Facebook, and it's from my grandma. My grandma, who never had a computer, who, as far as I know, didn't know how to type, all of a sudden had a Facebook account. And she had, you know, pictures on there, and she was posting things, and she would tell me that she loves me whenever I would post pictures of Let's say I was drinking at a bar, you know, she would say, oh, mijo, James, I love you. And it was embarrassing to me as a social media addict myself. But at the same time, I was like, wow, I just can't believe my freaking grandma has a Facebook account. So leaps and bounds can happen with older folks. And maybe Bank of America is banking on that, no pun intended, that, hey, if we get rid of this, maybe we can get them into the mobile banking and we can have them use Zelle and we can have them do bill pay and all these things. Because, you know, Bank of America doesn't want you writing checks. They don't want you going into the branch. They don't want you getting a cashier's check from the teller. They don't want you bringing in your rolls of coins. They want you to do everything self-service like the rest of us. 
So, you know, whenever you see someone, an older folk, get a, you know, Facebook account or Twitter or they get an iPhone or they get an Android phone, you go, wow, I can't believe that this person is doing it. And when you see them succeed and thrive with it, you're like, wow, I can't believe that this person at this age took on a new task and they conquered it. But whenever you take the intermediary thing out, like text banking, you're pretty much saying that, hey, you got to lead, follow or get out of the way. You got to be one of one of us. You got to be the leader at the forefront of technology, or you got to follow us at least in our path to getting there, or just don't bank with us anymore. And and I and I really think Bank of America is just swinging, missing with this because what's happening is because of the the need to you know sell online and mobile banking for one for sales goals and number two to sell the older folks more crap whenever you give them pop up advertisements. You're pretty much playing, you know, a game of Texas Hold'em and you're all in and you're telling them it's like you're going to be all in with us and you're going to learn how to do this or we just really don't want to do business with you. And the reason why I say that is because whenever you enroll in online and mobile banking, it's going to take a few minutes to get them used to it. But what's going to happen is that conversation with the banker is going to lead to, hey, well, we noticed that you get a retirement pension and you get something from Fidelity. Have you ever thought about Merrill Lynch? Have you ever thought about Merrill Edge? And then, of course, there's going to be pop-ups. Older folks have great credit or at least long histories of credit. And say, you know, Mr. Customer, while you're here, we actually have a really good Bank of America card for you. And it's 0% interest for 15 months. Or, you know, they pay their house free and clear. They don't have a mortgage payment. Mr. Customer, did you want to go on that dream vacation? We could actually set you up with a $25,000 home equity line of credit. That way you can dip into it whenever you do need it. And it's based off the equity value in your house. And you could actually use it for paying off debt or going on that dream vacation or buying yourself a new car even. What is that something you'd like to do? It's just this little gateway drug into picking their brain one last time before they die. It's as blunt as I can be. And online and mobile banking is that gateway drug. And they don't really care about you utilizing it. They just want to milk milk the cow one last time before they're done with them. You know, there's something to be said about old money. I, I've heard that phrase before all the time whenever you know I was a kid. You know, Richie Rich and Mr. Burns and all that stuff. But old money, you know, takes on a different terminology of bank of america i've never heard bank of america or bank of america associates use that slang so i'm i'm just kind of freestyling here i'm saying it just from my own personal experience there's a lot of other keywords that bank of america uses as a way of kind of um kicking the lifeless corpse of an older person and that's that's as brutal as i can get and one of the one of the phrases is trigger events now with old money Let's just say you have an old, an, an, you know, Esther. I know it's messed up that I'm just using that name. Some old person named Esther goes in and she has $190,000 in her checking account. But she's she opened the account in 1974 with North Carolina National Bank, which eventually became Bank of America. So literally, like, you know, that old joke, like your social security number is 13. Well, literally her account number starts with like seven zeros. It's, you know, zero 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 one two three four five. Accounts like that do exist. And she's been there. She's happy. She never got a debit card. She writes checks. In fact, she's wrote so many checks that she's actually started from one, went all the way up to ninety nine ninety nine, ordered another book of checks that said one 15 years later. I mean, there's people like that that do exist. And, and to Bank of America, like I say, with old money, this is the last time that they can kind of just get something from there because here's what happens, especially in the branch Whenever you finally get that person, you know, Miss Esther, it's great seeing you, but tell you what, I noticed that you got an iPhone 11, 
where did you get that from? And then she goes, oh, you know, my grandson gave it to me, and I don't know how to use it. Miss Esther, let me show you how to sign up for online banking here. That way, in case, you know, the weather is bad, if you ever need to check your banking, it's here. And I know sometimes it's hard of hearing on the phone, but you don't even have to talk to someone on the phone. You can just hit a couple of buttons, and voila, you're, you're there into your account. Is that something you like to do? Okay, I like hanging out with you, Mr. James. So sure, of course, show me show me how to use mobile banking. So this is what I did. I said, ma'am, you go to this button right here and see what your email is. And then it's esther123 at gmail.com. So I type it in on my mobile banking. It's like, ma'am, you got to pick a password. So pick something you like. Here's a piece of paper and a pen. If you like to write something down, it has to have one capital letter, one small letter, and some numbers on there. So they'd write it down. And then it's like, did I do it right? Of course, everyone showed me the password, but I said, go and type it again. And then after the second time, Bank of America would say, hey, it's, you know, correct or no, you didn't enter it incorrectly twice. So I go, yeah, that's okay. And then just pick security questions, you know, what's your maiden name and, you know, all these easy softball questions. And I said, look at, look at your screen now and then sign in with that stuff that you just typed in. Okay, do you see how it says, welcome, Esther? That's good. So what you got to do, Ms. Esther, and I'll actually set up an appointment for you a couple of days from now. And what we'll do is bring in your phone, and I'll walk you through how to sign in one more time. That way, Bank of America knows that it's you, and it permanently activates mobile banking. So it sounds like a good sales pitch, right? But what I did there, and this is something I am guilty of. It is something I'm guilty of because I got credit for it. I set the expectation that I was going to help her that second time to get the hang of signing in because Bank of America does not give you sales credit for mobile enrollment until the second time that person signs in. How am I going to know Miss Esther doesn't have Alzheimer's and is going to forget everything between now and two days from now? So what I would do is I would set that appointment for two days later. I say, Miss Esther, come in and um, keep that piece of paper in your wallet. That way you can remember how to type in the password. So, Miss Esther comes in two days later, she types in her name and password, and I said, look, ma'am, it actually says, welcome back, you did a good job, congratulations, you're all set up. Now, like I said, you don't have to use it if you don't want. You could order checks in there, but you don't have to. You can come into the bank if you still like, but, you know, I just want to let you know that they're there for the future in case something happens we're not open or whatever. But you have all these tools here just in case, just in case. So, make sure you use it, because it's actually really fun in reality. I didn't give a you-know-what if Miss Esther used it again. And here's why. That second sign-in gave me the mobile sales credit, which was a, a certain amount of points equivalent to the enrollment of a new checking account. So basically, I got a new checking account's worth out of Miss Esther, who literally banked here for 40-plus years. Secondarily, I get what was called a look-back with Bank of America, which means in four weeks, that $190,000 balance that she carries will actually re-trigger and give me some more, I'll just call it bonus points, if you will, towards my goal. So meaning that they look back and say, hey, this, you know, James Baca signed up Miss Esther for mobile banking, and she has 190000 and she's preferred platinum. So you get all these little bonuses, all these little multipliers. So after four weeks, eight weeks, and 13 weeks, you get all this residual credit just because you actually poked someone with a stick to make sure they're still alive. Sounds brutal, like I said. It sounds horrible, like I know. But I was good at doing that. I was good at earning that trust. 
do I see it as unethical? No, I don't. I did have a sales goal. I did get it. At the same time, I did show them how to use the tool. I took the time to show those people how to use the tool. Like I said, did I care? No, I didn't care that if they used it again because I walked them through the steps that, hey, guess what? Bank of America closed in my town and I left them with a tool that theoretically they could use to continue banking there. So it, it, it kind of messed with my brain a lot, especially when I left the bank because I had helped all these people do this and a lot of people probably didn't remember their passwords or if they lost their phone or whatever. So Bank of America incentivizes us, you know, bankers to sign people up for this that way in the hopes that they never go back or at least in the hopes of they, they have other stuff that they can sell them on the app, or at least during that conversation while opening up mobile banking, you could actually do one last, hey, do you need an account for your grandson? Or hey, I noticed that you know you went on a trip recently. We have the travel rewards card for you. I'd like to set that up for you. And it's just one extra way of just, just trying to find a way to get more from them. And you know it's, it's, it's really rough. So I'm gonna miss text banking. I didn't use it a lot. But I did send a lot of people through that method, and I, I was proud to say that there were some people that were empowered. They were proud to show me that they used text banking when I worked there, and, and I thought it was cool that they found something that they were comfortable with. And not everyone is going to be smartphone-centric, and you know, if you think that your grandparents want to be smartphone-centric, well, you're probably wrong. Yeah, there's some really awesome older folks out there that love to try new things and everything, but, you know, like my grandparents, they've been stuck in their ways since I was born in 1983 and probably well before that. So you're not going to get them to do something a different way after all these years. And Bank of America doesn't want those people. Bank of America wants growth. And it's like someone who's in a marriage saying, hey, well, you're the same person forever and ever. Why don't you grow? Why don't we try a new restaurant? Why don't we go for a walk every once in a while. That's what Bank of America wants you to do. They want you to assimilate and do things their way, self-service. They want to maximize as many accounts as they possibly can, then they're done with you. And old money doesn't really do that a lot. So, And especially if there's someone who doesn't want a credit card or doesn't want a debit card, but there's got to be something that you got to sell them because they have this big balance here and anything that you trigger that's quote a new product will trigger this money that will help you in your bonus. You better freaking believe they started incentivizing mobile and online banking. They said, hey, any way to do it. And then another thing too, which I don't understand why they got rid of it and I'll wrap it up here is just the errors that can happen. I can just imagine how many older folks accidentally, you know, send, you know, little Timmy, their grandson, a thousand dollars whenever they're trying to send them money through Zelle and then they hit one zero zero zero, not understanding that there was no need for a decimal point or putting the trailing zeros on the cents. Then when they hit one zero zero zero, they were actually sending one thousand dollars and no cents. And little Timmy, do you think he's gonna give it back to grandma and grandpa? No. He says, Oh holy crap Grandma and Grandpa gave me a thousand dollars. Let's go party. Let's go buy a couple of bottles and let's just go drinking all night. Stuff like that happens. And then what's Bank of America going to say? Well, you used online banking and you used Zelle, and unfortunately, that's not our responsibility. You got to, you know, have more caution whenever you're doing that. And then, of course, you have the inevitable someone hacking into the phone. You you have all these things that cost more money for Bank of America to hire fraud claims representatives taking that hey the older folks had their account stolen from online or the older folks calling complaining about he accidentally zelled a thousand dollars to his grandson and and there's no way of getting it back 
you're you're paying for staff and you're going to cause more problems for doing this if you just had text banking and you just had that there and they're just checking bal for bell and they wanted to transfer money you know what they're gonna do i'm gonna write little timmy a check for ten dollars and no cents and i'm gonna put that line across the no cents to make sure that no one can alter it and i'm gonna give it to him and he could deposit it at the bank or whatever i mean and then timmy can mobile deposit it or whatever they still do that, and they're actually kind of curtailing risk for Bank of America. And if they don't have online banking, guess what? It's going to be easier to catch fraud whenever someone enrolls them in online banking. So if they don't have online banking, and they're at McDonald's with their iPhone, and yeah, they you know someone is hacking into their iPhone or something, guess what's not going to be hacked? A Bank of America freaking app. Maybe a bunch of pictures you know are going to be hacked, and maybe you know a couple of bits of personal information, but not the banking. Not the banking. So you're basically adding more problems when you're wanting them to do something like this. And I really think that at the end of the day, Bank of America should be ashamed of getting rid of one tool that was not used by a lot of people, but it was used by enough people to where I really think it's going to be missed. And I do see it a lot on Twitter, and that's why I wanted to dedicate a huge chunk of my podcast to it because I love me some older folks. They... they Got me everywhere I needed to be a Bank of America, including getting me bonuses. And they're really nice and they're really great. And they would bake me cookies and they would give me gift cards uh, for my marriage, even though I wasn't allowed to accept them. It's good. And they're genuine people. And I'm really sad for them uh, that text banking is gone. But, you know, it just goes to show you whether it's Bank of America taking away probably the one lifeline to digital banking that older folks have in the name of sales. In the name of upselling, in the name of getting rid of people in branches and getting rid of branches altogether. Whether it's milking older folks for every last possible account that you can get before they die. And then going back to the first segment, whether it's um, bank executives making barbecue uh, references and speeches about leadership within your bank, smiling at you in a way that a parent smiles at their kid when they did something wrong for the horrible crime of being number one in my region at a bank they wanted to close. My friends, those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. What does suck was this was a long podcast, and I really thank you so much for listening to over an hour and ten minutes of me talking. I'm going to be back after this brief promotional consideration to wrap it up, so please stick around. All right, guys, we're back. I'm sorry I went over this hour threshold that I imposed upon myself, but there was two topics I really cared about a lot, and it's really just that bank executive that that probably cost me my job a couple years ago, and the treatment of older folks with Bank of America discontinuing text banking. Those things mean a lot to me, and I, I really hope that you hear the passion in my voice and you hear 30 minutes soliloquies about both topics and you hear the passion about what I feel about situations like this. And this is why this podcast exists. So thank you so much for understanding that. I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Patreon.com slash sucks. Donate at least a dollar. We had a $15 donation last week and I was really happy for that. You don't understand. These things will help me pay the bills to keep this website going to keep me working for you, the customer. Whether it's not you and whether you just want to donate a dollar to pay it forward so I can help someone else down the road, please do so. My goal is to have a thousand people donating at least one dollar that shows the level of support that a website and a project like this gets. So I really appreciate that. I had um, three donors that did PayPal and Venmo donations. So to Priscilla, who I did the last podcast about, to Russ and to Chaz, thank you so much for your donations. I 
words cannot express how much that means to me because it helps me pay the bills. It helps me continue on this journey, this goal that I want to do, which is help as many people um, in any way that I can from Evil Bank of America, Evil Wells Fargo, Evil Zell, and all these places that just make life difficult for all of us. Your contributions will really go to good use. It gives me time. It gives me energy to be able to focus on helping people. So thank you so much for that. A couple of books coming out really soon. I'm going to really get on that in the near future because I need to. I need those book royalties. Bank of America nearly made me homeless and beer money. And expect a couple of customer service books to follow. Bank of America's customer service week, I believe, is October 1st. And if I can whip together a book in the next seven days, I totally will with all the customer complaints that I've had on Twitter in honor of Bank of America's horrible customer service. I would love to issue that book out. So be on the lookout for that. If I get a if I get a hair up my you know what in the next couple of days, then I'm gonna really focus on just you know, honestly it's copying and pasting a lot of conversations that I have. It's not gonna be a well detailed book you know filled with a thousand pages no it's just going to be these little individual stories that i have maybe it's a hundred pages maybe i'll sell it for two dollars but i just want to put it out there just as a big hey guess what bank of america is patting themselves on the back and kissing their butt about customer service i got a hundred stories to tell you otherwise so be on the lookout for that subscribe to this podcast leave a five-star review if you have itunes i really would appreciate that we got several thousand listeners i really want your voices to be heard if i suck let me know that i suck you can leave a voicemail at 575-322-4127 if you want to tell me that or if you have any questions or comments about the podcast or if you'd like to share a story about banking as well i really want you to get your um word out there as well we're looking for motivated sponsors looking for great sponsors who will help lead this podcast into 2020 and beyond so if you're interested in that too uh, wirebanksucks.com does have a pdf file available with all the stats with all the data that this podcast does generate so i really appreciate you looking at that and give me a call i would love to do business with you guys i'm going to wrap it up because i've taken up way too much of your time if you're like me i do an hour and 10 minute workout while the workout's over ready and i'm already driving back to home so uh, i'm going to wrap it up here so until later on this week my name is james Baca, and i just told you why your bank sucks we will see you soon thank you so much for listening talk to you again goodbye